Listening Dog Media. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Well, I've really enjoyed Bloomsbury, also the coaches are awesome. Yeah, I've made a lot of friends here. I really enjoy going to Bloomsbury Academy because it makes lots of opportunities and I learn lots of new things about football and improve my football skills. Hello, I'm news and sports broadcaster Kate Borsay and welcome to a special Offside Raw Productions podcast for Bloomsbury Football, a brilliant football academy that's supporting girls and boys to play football in London. The popularity of women's football has really surged over the last few years. There are now more women playing the game than ever before, more eyes watching the game than ever before and more girls wanting to play than ever before. But there are still so many barriers girls face when it comes to accessing opportunities to play football. I sat down with Bloomsbury founder and CEO Charlie Hyman and Emma Thackeray, Bloomsbury Girls Programme Manager, to find out how they've been providing spaces for girls to play and the impact that their programmes are having on the girls' lives. Charlie, let's start with you. Tell us about setting up Bloomsbury Football. How did it come about? Sure. So I had been volunteering, uh, helping out my younger brother's football team in the local park, and I absolutely loved it. I then went and did some work experience with Fulham Foundation, and that took me travelling all around South London and just saw what an incredible impact football could have on young people's lives. So I continued coaching whilst at university and finished university having studied geography uh, and decided I definitely still wanted to uh, work in sport and use football um, and the power it has to improve young people's lives. So I started out with uh, four children, came along to our first session in Camden Town. um, And at that first session, basically those children that could afford to pay five pounds paid uh, and those that couldn't, didn't. And that's still kind of the model we run with. And I guess through a lot of hours of hard work um, over the last three, three and a half years, we've grown that one session out into kind of hundreds of different sessions that run and working with a few thousand children every week. Gosh, so you've gone from five kids three, three and a half years ago to working with thousands of children now. So you've grown massively. Um, What about getting girls involved? How soon did it become apparent that you needed um, to A, cater for girls, but also to cater for them in a a specific way, perhaps? Yeah, it was um, quite evident even early on. We um, have always welcomed girls at all our sessions and we did actually see some girls coming along. Um, but it was always those who were already quite confident, already had played a bit, 
um, and, and usually good enough to compete and play with some of the best boys. Um, but very quickly, those girls found that they didn't want to continue because there was one or two girls in a group with 14 or 15 boys and it wasn't really that enjoyable for them. So we knew that we had to set up something that was specifically for girls, both for those that really wanted to play and challenge themselves and uh, become the best footballer they can be, but also those girls who just want to play for fun and enjoyment and uh, more the social elements of taking part in sport. So I think about 12 months ago, it was um, somewhere in the middle of COVID, we decided that um, we would set up a girls program that would be specifically designed to engage girls um, to play football. And, and that's when kind of Emma came in and uh, really took the reins with that and is doing an amazing job of, of growing it out. Emma, tell us about the girls you work with. What are the ages of them? And um, what's your role in it? Because it isn't just playing sport, is it? I, th I think it's really important to kind of note this when we sort of talk about girls and boys as well. But 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 I think particularly girls too. It's not it. It isn't just about the sport. There is a lot about confidence, um, a lot of life skills built there. Yeah, definitely. Um, when I came on board at Bloomsbury, it was we had a couple of sessions. We didn't have many. Um, we had girls ranging from under sevens to under thirteens at the time um and only really had a cup a handful of girls in each of those teams or sessions with three of them being taking place a week um in the last couple of months we've grown the program so we now cater to under sevens to under four teams um and now have both foundation teams and academy teams within the program so we've now grown from reaching about 20 girls to over 60 girls or so 70 girls within the program itself, excluding schools and um, other opportunities that we have within the organization. Um, so my role obviously is a girls manager as I take charge of the girls foundation, the girls academy, but more than just coaching and, you know, running the program, um, I've taken a particular interest in growing players rather than just uh, growing people, sorry, rather than just players. Um, so in the last couple of months, I ran a program with London Youth um, where we did our good for girls. So we were looking at developing the player off the pitch, um, talking about mental well-being, mental health, um, as well as, you know, just their physical health. Um, we've done a couple of different programs here and there trying to promote mental well-being. Um, and so really what we want to do is not just follow these girls into their athletic development, but also into their personal development. Um, so working with them off the pitch as well. Tell me what you do with them off the pitch are there other things that you identify having now worked with you know several girls tens and you know possibly well over 100 girls in your time but but tell us tell us about what you notice some of those challenges are for girls so you see you most likely see the challenges as soon as they step in the door the first time um, a lot of these girls maybe don't have the confidence. Um, maybe they've just played a little bit of football here and there, kicking about in the park. Maybe they've got older brothers or younger brothers that help them play a little bit. But they don't really have that confidence to step up and to, you know, let themselves go and get into an all-female environment. I think it's quite foreign. And as a, as a player myself, I've grown up playing boys football. Um, only a handful of times do you have the opportunity to play with girls and it's a bit daunting um, as much as you'd think that an all-female environment would be more welcoming sometimes it can be a bit intimidating um, so I think some of those challenges can always be you know lack of self-esteem maybe they have uh, as they get a little bit older maybe some body image issues which I've come across a lot 
Um, and that just comes with our mostly female coaching staff being there to, you know, guide them. Like we've all been through these issues ourselves. And so we try and, you know, relate to them as people rather than just players throughout the sessions, um, giving them a little bit of advice here and there. Um, it's more of we pick up on the trends of maybe their behavior, um, maybe the way that they hold themselves, their body language, things like that. And that's where we try and, you know, tailor our attention to individual players rather than just you know the group as a whole charlie if you is it important to um as well as promote equality to also appreciate the differences perhaps between coaching boys and girls are there obvious differences there does that does that need to be catered to or should they both have the same pathway i think it's very important that they are catered to differently i think especially given the stage that we are at with kind of the popularity of the women's um game and the girls game there are far few female players playing girls playing football than there are boys and so we need to do more to make it an inspiring and exciting activity for them to take part in um to get them to come along to get them to want to come back to play to enjoy it because until there is uh, a large enough pool of girls playing, then the talent development and the professional side of improving the quality of women's players at the top of the game won't happen. Um, and that is something that we have noticed um, and we're doing both in terms of the girls that we work with at Bloomsbury, but also with the Girls Super League, which we've set up, um, which basically provides the opportunity for all teams, including Bloomsbury girls, to come and play in an amazing environment that's both exciting, it's very different from how the boys play their matches, it's at a central venue. We eradicate the issues that take place that stop a lot of clubs from being able to run smoothly, such as referees and pitches, and try and get girls to come along and think, wow, this is amazing, I've made lots of new friends, uh, and this is really why I wanna get involved in football. So this is a specific girls super league. And as you say, it's open um, to all girls teams from from a kind of a founder CEO perspective. When you've started working with girls and coaching girls specifically within girls only teams, tell me tell me some of the operational issues. Are there are there problems? Are there obstacles that you encounter um, that you perhaps didn't didn't appreciate before you started working so exclusively with you know particular programs for girls? Yeah, for sure. I think it's worth um, remembering that Bloomsbury as an organisation is in the fortunate position that it's a lot more developed and has a lot more resource than sort of 90% of the other organisations working with girls in the community where it's on the whole volunteer-led. I mean, we're incredibly fortunate to have Emma, who's a full-time employee of Bloomsbury, running the girls' programme. But it's it's all the challenges that come with a parent being able to take their daughter to and from a match, particularly for girls where there's less provision available. And so on average, they're having to travel a lot further to go to their weekly training session or to play against another girls team. Um, so there's a lot of similar challenges that take place across the kind of grassroots sports sector. And I think those are just um, highlighted to, to a greater extent for girls because there just isn't enough opportunities for them to play. Emma, we've had a lot of discussions um, recently about how girls, particularly from some 
inner city areas with both parents working, uh, maybe maybe not a lot of spare cash around, how difficult it is for them to progress from playing in a good girls team to then going through the kind of official talent pathway connected to the FA. Do you do you see that? And where do you see that the disconnect might be between a girl who's really good at football and sort of ready to play for a club to then trying to get her from, let's say, Camden uh, to a club that's based outside London? It's funny you bring this up now because I I recently had a call with someone at the FA who's in charge of the girls' pathway um, himself. And we were just talking about like it's such a thin line between the good players within the grassroots and going on to the elite pathway. Um, And within the girls' side of things, it's a very vague, like it's a very blurred line, and we're not really sure where the divide starts to happen. Um, and so that's, I mean, what we've tried to do a little bit at Bloomsbury, where we've taken our just our foundation girls and given them a little bit more of an elite environment, I guess you could say, with our uh, girls' academy, um, mirroring our boys' academy as well, um, where we try and give them a little bit more professionalism, trying to develop their athletic development a little bit more, providing them with support such as sports science and, you know, personal development plans, um, where we're trying to up the level a little bit so that they can ease their way into the elite pathway a little bit more. Off the top of my head, I can think of a handful of players who, within our teams, um, aspire to play in the top level of the female game. Um, and for them, it's a very, well, like the the progression from the foundation system to the academy system has given them a little bit more support, um, but it's definitely the be all end all of, of what we can do. And there's always more we can do. And there's ways in which we can redirect these girls to bring them onto the elite pathway. But obviously there are barriers, not just, you know, financial, but maybe cultural, especially in London. Like we live in probably the most multicultural city in the world. And being based in central London, it's not just financial or, you know, time uh, t- financial barriers or time constraints that may be the issue, but things like cultural barriers, it's not always acceptable for females to play football and, and in different cultures and within different religions. And it's something that we see a lot. Um, We've come across this a couple of times with our players themselves. And so those are not just the only barriers that there are to the sport. So tell us a little bit about your players. We're going to hear from some of them soon. Um, But you talk about some of the challenges that they face, the different adversity that they've had to go through, you know, still as still as kids, really just just elaborate with a, with a few of, a few examples if you can. Um, so we've had a couple of players join our program, and it's maybe the first time that they're able to, you know, participate in female football or just football at all. Um, I've had a couple of girls who, because of their culture or their background, have because they are girls, have never been given the opportunities to play like their brothers. So one player in particular who's just joined us this year in our under tens. Um, she her brothers have played and they're at university now still playing but she's an under 10 girl have never been has never been given the opportunity to play because she is a girl and it's never been taken seriously um we have another player who's also joined us this year in our under 12s and because of cultural barriers um being from north africa it's not really something that girls do play football so we have she's very fortunate and her mother is incredible in which she tries to you know break down those cultural barriers within the home um and you know gives her the opportunity to come and obviously she's one of our players that we maybe can't afford to play either but she comes along she plays and she's a top player within our program um 
and this this carries along we have multiple different examples from our all the way from our under sevens all the way to our under 14s um but those are just some of the examples yeah. that we have and it's so important, isn't it? It isn't just about playing football. It, it is about so much more. It's about opportunities, empowerment as well. Um, Charlie, tell us about some of the support that you have for girls getting into football. There's a, a couple of things that you do. Just talk to us about those. Yeah, sure. So um, accessibility itself is kind of at the heart of what we do. Um, so removing that financial barrier to ensure that there's a quality of opportunity um, means that first and foremost, all the girls can access it. And then it's about how we use the football as a tool to both make them better players, obviously, but further than that, make them better citizens. So how can we develop their life skills on and off the pitch? How can we get them to improve more at school, gain confidence, these sorts of things. So if we didn't have the financial assistance scheme that we offer to ensure that everyone can access it, then not everyone can reap the benefits that sport provides. So the kind of most important part is that we make sure first and foremost that no girl is excluded from playing because of their parents' situation financially, um, or that they don't have the opportunity just because there isn't the offer of girls football. Um, so ticking those two boxes is is super important to us. Have you got a boot scheme as well, I understand? We do. So other than the fees, there's also the cost of kit and boots, which kind of precludes um, young people from taking part. It's just another cost, another barrier. So kit, we subsidise exactly the same way we subsidise our fees. If you need financial assistance, we will get you a kit, whatever you can afford. Um, and boots, we go even one step further. So when a player across any of our programs grows out of their boots or doesn't need them anymore they will donate them to us and we will find a new pair of feet for those boots um, whether that's on within our own programs or another local club um, or even organization abroad um, and that's just yeah another way that we ensure that no child um, is left without the opportunity to take part there's a responsibility here on you, isn't there? And I think it's probably self-inflicted. When you mention about your responsibility towards these girls, it's not just about, you know, providing the facilities, the kit, maybe a bit of financial assistance for that girl to turn up and play football. It's about her confidence. It's about her standing. I, I, I mean, has all that come as a surprise to you that it's that it that it's a much more holistic experience that that you offer? Um, I don't think so. I think we've always wanted to use the power of sport to improve people's lives beyond the football itself. It's just that we know that in order to have the opportunity to do that, we have to make it accessible in the first instance. So we don't ensure that every child can take part and that there's no barriers. Then we don't have that opportunity to work with them. Um, but as and when we do, I think, yeah, sport's an incredible tool um, and can really solve some of the biggest issues in society. And whilst at the moment we work with, in the scheme of things, a small number of young people, um, even though a few thousand might sound like a lot, there's so much more we can do. And, and that's the ambitions we have. We want to show that actually, you know what, sport can bring up the physical and mental well-being of thousands of young people across the country. Uh, and hopefully, whether that's us or other organisations doing the same, 
that's something that we really, really want to sort of advocate for strongly uh, as sport being that driver of, of social change. And it's not just Emma involved in your girls programme, she's your girls manager, but you've also got got women coaching as well. Just tell us about that side of it. Yeah, so we have this kind of discussion internally around um, who is, what What does the best coach look like for the girls programme? And what we said was actually, yes, you might find an amazing coach from a football standpoint, but actually is that what's going to engage the girls and allow them to develop holistically and we've actually found that it's super important to have someone who understands what it's like to be a 12 13 year old girl i certainly don't so we need to find people who do because that's what's going to make sure that there's that real authentic interaction where the girls can look up they see a role model they have an understanding of the challenges that they're going through and so we decided look it's actually really really important that we ensure that, yeah, we have a positive female role model in someone like Emma who plays herself, has come through all the exact challenges that we're trying to tackle. Uh, and I think we're seeing the benefits of that with the engagement that we've got from the girls that we work with at the moment. Emma, just tell us about a few of the challenges that you've encountered and why that might make you even more determined to make sure that this girls football programme at Bloomsbury is ambitious keeps keeps trying to achieve new things um yeah so not being from london myself i don't think i really have the same um you know challenges or barriers i've not experienced the same things but i think anyone involved within girls football and has been from a young age can relate to the same sort of issues so um a lack of you know uh, opportunity uh, always came about so there were not enough girls playing no girls teams um it, girls football was never really taken seriously um, so it's something that I've, I've grown up with, you know, the notion of oh, girls, it, football isn't really for girls. Um, if you're going to be good at it, then you have to do well within the boys to be able to do anything. And I, I think that's completely wrong. Um, you know, I, I grew up n always moving around from different country to country. So football was always my way of making friends, of finding a community and finding a family within wh wherever I was, um, even if I couldn't speak the language. And so I think at Bloomsbury, it's really important that, you know, we have female role models within our coaching staff um, because, you know, it's like we're like big sisters for the girls. Um, we, you know, some of us even go above and beyond to go and pick up the girls from school to bring them to training and then coach them and then help bring them home or we'll go and pick them up and get bring them to a cafe or something, buy them a pastry before the game because, you know, they haven't maybe been able to, you know, get something to eat along the way. And it's, we're not just there to, you know, be their coach. We're here to support them throughout, like along the way. Um, and so, you know, having, not having a female role model when I grew up, who was a footballer or this and that was a bit difficult. Um, and so we're here to provide that for the girls um, within our coaching staff as well. Emma, I'm sure Charlie's got ambitions for the girls football side of things at Bloomsbury, as you will have as well. Where does the programme go from here? What's your end game or where do you want to take it next? So for now, we've built our foundation and the basis of our academy. Um, my goal is to get the girls playing competitive football regularly, um, making a change and an impact within girls football in London, the whole sector, because the thing is we can build our programme, we can only build our programme so much. 
um, where externals don't affect our ability to, for example, put on games, have opposition. And so we want to positively impact the girls football scene in London. Um, so that's my goal. Um, with the women's Euros coming up and a bit more awareness about girls football and women's football uh, coming to London, I think the goal in the short term anyway this year would be you know to increase participation and to use football again as a tool to improve the lives of young people um improve people's health um whether that be mental or, or physical um and just to get more girls playing i mean that's the dream really um if they can go and win the women's super league one day that would be <laughs> amazing <laughs> Let's now hear from some of the girls. We asked them to tell us about what it's been like being part of Bloomsbury. I really enjoy going to Bloomsbury Academy because it's so fun to be with your friends playing football and it's a very positive experience because the coaches are, um, well, very nice to you but they also like know what you want to do and how to teach you. We joined Bloomsbury because there weren't many teams around our area that had all-girls teams. And um, we fa we in really enjoy it here because we all can get together and play football. Yeah, and we and it isn't like an enclosed thing. We get to travel a lot and we meet uh, loads of new people. And yeah, we enjoy it. Bloomsbury has really helped me improve my football, and I really enjoy doing it with all of my friends at this club. It also really helped me help me find which position I'm very confident in. And um, for me, it was goalkeeper, but I did not know that because I went from attack to defence. And now I really like being goalkeeper. I really enjoy going to Bloomsbury Academy because it makes lots of opportunities and I learn lots of new things about football and improve my football skills. I also get to spend time with my friends and make new ones too. Thanks for listening and to find out more about Bloomsbury Football and to support their work, head to bloomsburyfootball.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.